This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the tailgatesociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods and I'm joined as always by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, enjoying college football. It's about to wrap up. Um, I know for you and our lovely guest, it's about to be an exciting week for college football. And um, that's really it. It's it's weird to think that it's December because I watched it snow in Laramie and it's it was sixty degrees in Austin today. So, well, it was sixty degrees here uh, like two days ago. So, and now we got six inches of snow. So, Ugh, it's pretty yuck. pretty wild. That's Iowa life, though. And as you mentioned, we have a special guest tonight. We got a real special one. We got our fearless leader in the booth with us, Mister Ted Flint at Ted Flint, Kansas. Yes, aka the legend. AKA he got me 90% of my followers on Twitter. AKA the drunk of Iowa State. However you want to say it, what's going on, Ted? I'm just a guy that, you know, got invited to a party by mistake, just to fly in the ointment, the whatever and the whatever. And I'm just here to cause chaos on your really good podcast. So we'll see how well I go about like staying on the rails because I'm known for not staying on the rails. So It'll be great. Yeah. He, he's being. He's being modest as always. <laughs> Humble listeners, he's always being modest. You guys modest. have we outlines and stuff? We got a good one tonight. <laughs> we do. We do. I feel bad, though, because I'm the only one that wrote anything in the outline. I don't do But I just outlines. had, like, so many thoughts as I was watching this movie. Oh, pulled up right I now. I know, you're kind of a maverick. you kind of a rogue. You kind of just do whatever. I just had some hot takes after watching Usually, this. Usually Emily has my back in the outlines, but I feel like maybe she's, yeah, maybe she's saving the hot takes for the podcast. She doesn't even want us to see them beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I was, um, we, go ahead. I think we lost. No, go ahead. Oh, um, for those of you who don't know, we have a Christmas episode for you all today. Um, and we are going to talk about Die Hard what people claim to be a Christmas movie. Because it is a Christmas movie. It's not. <laughs> it has all... As, all right. As Emily says it's not. As everything you need from a Christmas movie. It has Christmas miracles. There's Christmas music. There's a Grinch character. Like, what more do you need? It takes place on Christmas Eve. It's at oh a Christmas god. party. Oh my god, no. <laughs> that like, what, more do you, what more do you need? Here. There's a Santa hat. Here's the thing. Because I want to talk about this. I didn't even, because I know, so this is our Christmas episode. I know that 
And I know that we were supposed to kind of watch this movie and engage with it, asking the question, like, is this a Christmas movie or not? But honestly, I watched the movie from the perspective of just someone who understands that this is an important movie in the culture and everything like that. And it was very influential. Um, but this is my first time watching it. I believe it was the first time you'd watched it as well, Emily, right? Yeah, correct. I had never seen it. I mean, I'd like heard plenty about it. So I've never seen it either. I've seen the third one. I've seen Die Hard with the, I've seen Die Hard with the Vengeance a lot, uh, many times. We'll we'll get into why that is, and the kind of the context around that. But I'd never seen the original before, and watching this movie, I kind of got a sense of how influential it is, and like the story structure and how how many other movies kind of, um copied off of this and like took different beats from this movie. Um, so I just, I want to get into it. Let me, let me ask you, um, starting with Ted, cause Ted, this was your idea. So like, what's your relationship to this movie? Is this like one of the top movies that you've seen all the time or what do you, um, I, my dad introduced this to me at like a, a way too young age. Cause it was like, was on like the Fox movie that week or something on like Fox, you know, back in the day when they showed movies and like, I watched this thing edited probably too many times like so like i watched this way too young and i just like i love the john mcclain character because the best thing about the john mcclain character is even references in the movie he's not schwarzenegger he's not stallone he's not all roided up he's just a dude that's there and he gets to sh- i mean this is a not safe for work podcast he gets the shit kicked out of him like in this movie he like gets shot he gets stabbed like his he gets all bloodied up and like he's like stallone or schwarzenegger at that point in their career just with like commando just came out like a few years earlier. Like you just don't, he doesn't get hurt. You know what I mean? He just destroys 85 people. Doesn't get hurt. And like McLean is a guy that like, you know, obviously like not me, but like you can like, you can visualize yourself in that situation. You're like, what would I do? Like he would do this, you know? And like, it's just, he's just a normal guy. And up until like, and I've discussed this with Arnold outside of this, but like up until like three fourths of the way through the third one where he starts becoming like superhero ish, like, He's just a dude, and he gets beaten the crap out of. But he just keeps going. He doesn't die. He's he's stubborn. He doesn't like to lose. He says, "Right." I think he says that in this movie. I don't like to lose. And yeah, it's just it's great. And like it's, I don't know. I grew up in Rocky and John McClane, and that probably says about a lot about me, you know. But I was like, and it's, it's so tightly made. Like they made this movie, basically made like a whole subgenre of movies of so and so on a sub or a battleship like under siege, speed to an extent. Pastor 57 with Wesley Snipes, like just put like John Claude Van Damme and sudden death in the hockey ring. Like just put a hero in a situation by himself and he has to figure it out. So it's just, and I'm really interested like, cause like you guys haven't seen it yet, but like you've seen all these other movies. Like how many things did you see in this movie that you're like, Oh shit. That movie that I liked that came out later stole this or stole an aspect of this. Right. And that's what I'm interested. Like see how you guys like interacted with it, I guess, or stuff that you noticed so to speak but well real quick the first thing that came to mind for me when watching this was thinking of the first season of community at their paintball episode so the paintball episode at the end of the first season of community is like a spoof of like 80s and 90s action films and like a lot of it comes from die hard like the last scene of that 
or the second to last scene of that episode is Jeff like doing, <clears throat> excuse me, doing the thing where he pulls, he's like laughing and then he pulls the gun strapped to his back out and points at the Dean and, and shoots him. Like, so they just lift like a lot of stuff from that episode, like directly from Die Hard. And I remember watching that episode and understanding that it was a spoof and that they were copying some of those things. But like, I never, some of the, some of the references went by me because I'd never seen a movie like Die Hard before. So one, one thing I do want to do, because we used to do this when, when Emily and I would do um, podcasts about movies, when we did our, our series about Black performances and things like that, we would go through like the plot. So um, we don't have this, we don't have this in the outline, but Emily, are you, would you want to kind of like walk us through like what the plot of this movie is or walk the listeners through for those who, who haven't seen it maybe, or maybe we can both kind of tag team it. What do you think? I can definitely do it. So Die Hard is about this man who is a cop, um, John McClane, and he goes to visit his wife who he's like not really with, but it's Christmas. And so people think it's Chris, a Christmas movie, but he's going to go visit them for Christmas. Um, and he joins his wife at this holiday party her company's having. And then um, this group of European terrorists kind of take everyone hostage because they want money whatever and um he ends up being like oh man i have to save these people and he like tries calling the local police like he um they're in la so he'll he like calls them and he's like hey like this is what's going on and they don't believe it's happening and um I'm just like well one that's very unrealistic because i feel like the cops would have to respond they'd be like oh yeah, we need to check this out um, for, like, liability reasons, but, like, that's neither here nor there. Um, and then he ends up saving the people, blowing things. There's so many explosions in this movie, um, lots of shooting, lots of lots of things. Um, and then his wife is happy with him at the end, and he makes a new cop friend in L.A., and I like the ending of the movie. It was nice. It was a happy ending. So, like... While we're talking about the plot, like, so like I said, I watched this edited for so many years. And it is an 80s movie. It's very 80s. So there's violence and there's, they had to like show like a little nudity. When I watched it on TV, I never knew how he got out of the office. So in the TV version, he's stuck there. The terrorist, or the, not terrorist, the thief, I guess, because they're not really terrorists. They call them terrorists, but they're not terrorists. Is walking towards him and he sees the exit door, but you don't know how he gets out of the office. And it just, it drove me nuts. So then when I finally got to watch it on VHS, then you see that like they stop the couple from hooking up in the other office and he's distracted. But when you're watching it on like your local Fox station growing up, he's just, the terrorist is there. And then all of a sudden McLean's on the, the next floor up and you never know how he gets up there. And it just, it's like stuff like that. You just don't, but that's it's so tightly written. And the best thing about this movie, I think is like how much it takes setting up the, the location before anything happens. Like, you know, where the lobby's at, you have a real good idea, like where everything is. I am just going to the party, right? Like, and that's really key. Like, you know what floor the party's on. You know the top floors are under construction. You know that, you know, it's just, it's really, it's like real small details are really good in this movie to like really like tie everything together, I guess. But yeah, the, him getting out of the office. I kind of, but no, I, I kind of wanted to talk about those details that you're talking about. Um, like the little things, because, you know, I, I, had imagined this movie is like, you know, the typical action movie, but there's like a lot of little subtle things that they do to set up the story. Like you were talking about Ted, first of all, 
I didn't realize like how much of an LA this movie this is. And um, I've been to LA a couple times. My best friend lives in LA now. And I was in LA for my 30th birthday. And it's a, you know, it's a dope city. I love it. But like, it's, it, the movie sets up McLean as like this fish out of water guy from New York who comes to LA and like, doesn't really like it. And is kind of put off by the way that people dress and the way that people, you know, he goes into the, the lobby of the building and it's like a touchscreen to like figure out where, it's, where his wife's office is. And it's like, oh, there's like modern technology, you know, it's 1988 yeah. or whatever, but he's still like, it's, it's what's, what's def- the guy definitely say? set up as, It'll help you take a leak if you needed to or something like, it'll yeah, help yeah, you find yeah. Your zipper. So he's, he's like, he's presented as this like kind of analog guy in a digital world type thing. And I just didn't really know that. And then the scene, so you're talking about how he gets out of the office, but like the scene with him and his wife is like some really like harrowing, like domestic, like marriage type movie. It was almost like from a different movie where they're like, I know what type of marriage I want this to be. And Blah, blah, blah. And the way they're arguing, I'm just like, damn, as like someone who's married myself, I'm like, geez, like this, I was not expecting this. What did you, did you, did that kind of jump out to you, Emily? What'd you think of that? Um, not that scene in particular, but just like overall, the, the story, like having substance, if that makes sense, like that overall, it being more than just like, okay, these guys came in, they took people hostage, and then he starts blowing things up. Like, in my head, that's what Die Hard was, was just, like, lots of shooting and killing things on Christmas Eve. Um, but for it to, like, like the dynamic between him and his wife and, like, how that kind of plays out in the story... Um, really just like it was just not something i expected it's not even just him and his wife which is like arnold's that's a big part but also like he's just a dude and hans gruber is like this super smart thief terrorist and he's getting foiled by this dude who's just his stubbornness just that's it like his his his, if he had a superpower it's him being stubborn and apparently his ability like to just deal pain but like they do set up like and like they set up perfectly like they had to have the marriage stuff like Arnold said because they had to set up the why he would not know that his wife was there. Gruber would know because she has a different last name and then she's pissed off at John. So she puts the, the frame down. Right. Like these things need to be in there or or it, it doesn't work like like the, the writer, you know, is really good about like these little like Arnold's small details and like that's a does not work. If, those aren't planted. Those seeds aren't planted, right? I want to go back to something you said, Ted, about how he's like an everyman and he's like, doesn't, like you say, you talk about how as the series progresses, he becomes more and more like superhero-like and he just does all this like outlandish stuff. And so for me, for my context, I've seen the third one. I've seen Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, and I've seen it because, you know, it was a, it's a mid-90s movie and it had Sam Jackson in it. And Sam Jackson was like a big deal. And for, you know, what well, came out the same year as Paul, Fiction. a black kid growing up. And yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I think Pulp Fiction was 94 and then 95 was okay. Die Hard with the Vengeance. And so Sam Jackson is like a major star. And like, as a, you know, as a black kid growing up in the nineties, like you're always for, um, 
you're gravitating towards, you know, major movies that have black people in them. And so to go back to your earlier point about McLean, like McLean and Die Hard with the Vengeance is like, you know, he there's the running gag about he has a, how he has a headache the whole movie and how, you know, he gets his ass beat in that movie too. But he's also, he's in these like outlandish situations, outlandish situations, but he's sure of himself. Like he knows what he's doing. And maybe that comes from, you know, he's been doing this for years, starting with the first movie, but like he's jumping on and off subway trains and like deciphering these clues and all this other stuff. And he's like in these ridiculous, you know, driving through central park and doing all this crazy shit. But like, he's, he's, it's, it's not a big deal to him, which is so different from this movie. Cause in this movie, he's just like, you know, when he starts off and he, he's like up in the top floors and he's like, trying to figure out, he's like, think John, think. And he's so like nervous and he's so like afraid. And like, he doesn't like, this is such a crazy situation. And this being his first time, like it's a completely different character than in vengeance. So I just, that really jumped out to me like immediately. And I love how he talks to himself. Cause it like, since I think they probably did that because he's by himself so much in this movie that he needed someone to bounce stuff off. So it's, he doesn't have a character to bounce stuff off of. So in this movie, he's bouncing stuff off of us, the audience, right? Like he's talking to us kind of not really like that could be inner dialogue and we wouldn't hear, but like, he just, you know, like come to pop out, I'll kiss your effing Dalmatian, you know, like just shit like that. You know, like he's, he's great at talking to himself and by vengeance. Yeah. He, he, He's seen it all. Like he does come a little bit of superhero in third one. The fourth one's still pretty good, but the fifth one's trash. I'll never watch it. Um, but like it's um I like them all. I like all four of them. They're great. The second one's a little more ninety, early nineties violent. But yeah, he's just he's your every guy, every man and like he just gets he doesn't like really he doesn't win. Like, he kills some of these guys, but like there's not a moment until the end where like he really comes out on top, right? He's constantly running. Like even when he gets a few of them, he has to go on and move because they're gonna they're going to get him. What did you guys think of like the, uh, the, like the, the side characters, like they're not the Gruber, but like the side, like these terrorists, we'll call them terrorists. They call them terrorists in the movie. Like the side terrorists, like they gave, it's like they like gave each terrorist a, a little bit of like narrative. So like you understood them a little, like you recognize them. But, like the guy eating the Hershey's bar, right. That's in the lobby before this, or, you know, like Carl obviously is a brother, you know, which, we can go at length of how the hell Carl got off the roof when it blew up and got down to the basement, but you know, whatever it's a movie. Right. So, or even Ellis, I know Arnold likes Ellis, like the, uh, the skeezy partner. He's great. Like when McLean's like, you miss some when he, like, he's been snoring cocaine on Holly's desk, you know, and Mr. Nakagi's like, this is Holly's husband, the policeman. Right. You know, and he's just so, he's an 80s businessman, so he's just so sure of himself that he can go down and, like, talk to Hans, and it'll work out. And he just does not realize that he's just, he's has a death sentence for himself. He should, he's just shut up, right? You know, but, like, do you guys have, like, a favorite side character, I guess? Like, or a favorite, like, non-Hans Gruber, John McClane person that you resonated with or, like, came out of me? Like, I like that guy the best, I guess. I don't know if there was a character that I resonated with. I really enjoyed the that like there weren't too many side characters, so they could have the opportunity to kind of like flush them out a little bit more and like add depth to the movie in that way. Um, so I think in that regard, like 
I just I enjoyed the side characters didn't didn't identify with any in particular but um I I did enjoy that the man that worked with his wife the one that was like doing cocaine and just was like I'm gonna go do this like the amount of like confidence he had I'm like ah men had the audacity in the 80s what a shock and then this man got shot you would think that they wouldn't, but here we are. Um, so it was, I don't know. I thought it was a funny part. Um, not like the death isn't funny, but just like how he's like, no, I got this. This will be great. I'm like, man, like nothing has changed from like this situation could happen. Like they could like redo this movie, keep that scene the same way because you know that dudes are still doing cocaine off of desks. It's just like a little bit more discreet. And like that same thing would happen and he would still die. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pin in Ellis because I I have a lot of thoughts on Ellis. Um, to your point, Ted, your first point about I, w- I want to answer this two ways. The first thing in terms of like side characters. So again, this is, reminds me a lot of Vengeance in that there's a lot of like side crooks in Vengeance too, and they it's it's a, it's really similar to 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 this movie because it's also like this misdirect of a the 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 ostensible plot is blowing up a school, right? Blowing up this elementary school and they got to stop that from happening. But really what they, what's really going on is like a gold heist. And so it's kind of the same in this where the, the presented, um, the, the presented thing is that they're terrorists, right? But even though, you know, like it, there's something weird going on. Cause they're like, we don't really care about, our demands or doing these random ridiculous demands. Like they want to, they want people to think that they're terrorists so that they can pull off this heist in the vault. Um, but like, yeah, so he's, it's, it's, it's just really interesting to see McLean play like cat and mouse with all of like the side crooks and stuff. And even the first guy that he kills and he like puts the Santa hat on him and puts him down the elevator with the thing with the, you know, I have a machine gun now. Um, so there's, there's that, and then um, the guy, the like the long blonde haired guy who is like, you know, he kills his brother, and so he has like this vendetta against him the whole movie. I like that guy. But let's, I need, we need to talk about Ellis a little bit. What was Ellis doing? First of all, out of all the stuff that happens in the movie, the wildest thing to me that happens in the movie is this guy going into someone else's office in order to do coke, like this. The, I don't it, think he has not an office. His office. It was the office of maybe like his office on the next floor. Does he not even up. have an office? Maybe he's on the next floor up, and he just he, he and he obviously like he he's hit, a thing for Holly, like, so he's probably in there to talk to her, and he just needed a reason to be in there. He's hitting on he. It, the movie starts with him hitting on Holly, hitting on this, hitting on a woman who is either married or like estranged from her husband, whatever, and she obviously blocks him, and then he just goes into her office and does coke. What are you the, doing? The the show or the watch part. Like he's just like with McLean. Who does like, that? Show or to watch. No, show or to watch. I bought her that watch. Like I I, I shared it with Emily while you were talking. I I used to own this shirt. I actually still own the shirt. It's just it's in my closet. I don't wear it anymore. And it literally just has a cartoon versus version of Ellis, and it says, "Don't be Ellis." And like Man, you just yeah, don't I'm, don't I'm be him. Like you just you don't want to be that guy, right? You can be better than that guy, but like and like 
he's so ignorant. Like he says something like it's radio, not TV or some shit. Like when he pulls a gun on him, like, and he doesn't, he never realizes the situation until it's done and he's dead. Right? I don't understand what his, I don't understand what his plan was though. Cause he goes to Hans and he's like, yeah, I'm going to get us out of this. And yeah, I know McLean are old buddies. Like he what thinks, were you, what were you he thinks McLean gonna is going to give himself up for him. Cause McLean's a cop and a good guy. And he should wow. be on there. Like that's, that's his whole plan. Like they met once and they're okay, both that's idiotic. Unreal. Alice, unreal. And he's, and he's also coked out of his head. So, I mean. One of the most coked out guys I've ever seen on a, in a movie. One of the most outrageous movie characters I've ever seen. I was like, what are you doing, my guy? What is going on? Wild character. He's struggling. He is, he's struggling. <laughs> he's, he's struggling. Just, he went to the Christmas Horrendous. party to do coke and Mac on Holly, and it went bad. And now he's, he's spiraling. Like, he's... He's a Paul Rhodes coach football team in the fourth quarter, you know, got punched in the face and now he's just trying to scramble to get out of it. And it's going to go badly. So. I wanted to talk a little bit about the music in the movie because I've seen the, you know, in the, the score of the third one is kind of different than this one, but like it go, like I've seen commercials with about even with the newer diehards and they have like the Ode to joy, like kind of incorporated into the score. And that starts here. Um, Emily, what did you think of the score? And then like, you know, them using that Ode to Joy in it. And then, you know, you have Run DMC song and there's the Stevie Wonder song on the radio. What did you think of the music in the movie? I thought the music in the movie was really good. And when the, with the Ode to Joy, it made me think of, did you, have you all seen Get Smart? The Krill yeah. movie? Yeah. I saw it once in the theater. Okay. So like, there's also like a, situation where things are going to get blown up and whatever it's like a funnier action movie and they use ode to joy in that one as well and i'm like ah yes that's how you know things are going to get blown up like as soon as you hear ode to joy in a movie and it's like very much not because it's a movie about opera or music so um that was like one of the first things i thought so then it was kind of odd when it like well not odd but like at first i was like oh like they have all this like really good music like the score is really good um pretty much start to finish it was as happy about it it's a very iconic score like I mean, yeah and, and like it's for as iconic as it is it's it's weird because like they don't have like its own music and like they use oh the joy like i think arnold pointed out i guess in her point like more than once it's kind of like a Jaws theme a little bit, right? Where you know if you hear like that in the background that like stuff's about to go down, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just and like I guess like the director purposely put this music in there. Like it's weird. Like he, he's the, John McTarran's like a really famous director that kind of dropped off the map like the last eighteen years. But like he like he made Predator. He made you know the first and third Die Hard. You know, Hunt for Red October. You know. Thomas Crown Affair, the man's done some work. And, but he also, he's like, you read his articles about this movie and like, he's like, I wanted it to be, he, he says stuff like he wanted the blood squids to be really big because he wanted it to be like outlandish to where like, he was trying to make a point. But like, and like, he like wanted like to be like kind of funny, but not funny. And it's just weird. Like, you don't like, this movie has a lot of humor, right? But yeah. it's also so tense that like the humor, like, is there just to like break the ice a little bit, you know? Like when he's on the phone with the police guys. Like, do I sound like I'm ordering an effing pizza? Like, you know, 
Like what Arnold said, like it is eighties though, Arnold. So maybe the cops are just like, screw that shit. I don't, I'm busy. It's Christmas Eve. I don't want to be there. Like, I'm not going to like some drunk assholes at a party, you know, like, I don't know. Like, that makes me think of, um, the, the point you made about him trying to like, make it a, make it a point. Like that makes me think of RoboCop. Um, I think Paul Verhoeven directed RoboCop. He's a guy, he directed Starship Troopers. He directed, um, Showgirls. I believe he directed a bunch of like over the top movies, but like he was talking to, yeah. So I, 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 I remember reading something with him where like, RoboCop is just like over the top violent, like super like crazy violent. He's like, I was doing that on purpose to like kind of comment on um, action movies and then like, you know, just like really conservative, like police loving people, like that type of thing. Um, So maybe there's a little bit of commentary in in this movie, too. And kind of going along with that, I just felt like the there's definitely like some some like racial stuff in the movie that I wasn't expecting. So, like, starting with, like, him getting picked up from the, from the airport by Argyle. And, like, Argyle is, like, the young black. He's like, yo, what's up, man? You know, what's going on? You and your lady, blah, blah, blah. Like, talking, like, how the director perceives, like, a young black dude would talk. So that was kind of, that was just kind of funny to me. And then, like, <clears throat> he talks to the, like, Japanese president of the company, of his wife's company. He was like, oh, I didn't realize they celebrated Christmas in Japan. Or some shit like that. I was like, what? What? Like, damn, McLean, like, relax. What is going on? And he comes back with them like, yo, we made tape decks. Uh, y'all, got, y'all got us on Par Harbor, but we got you with tape decks. And, like, the interplay there. And then, like, Ellison, who's just, like, doing lines of coke in the background. Like, ha, ha, great. Great joke. It's crazy. I, was, I just wasn't expecting that. That was, uh, I don't know if that's just, like, a product of it being the 80s or what. But that was really interesting to me. What did you... Emily, did you catch that? What did you think about that? It definitely felt like that was an 80s thing. And having no other interactions of just, like, taking the movie as it's coming. And I'm like, who wrote this like this? So then, I mean, that made me a little bit more like, well, okay, at least, um, like, Powell has written more respectably, kind of. I don't know, like, like he wants to do the right thing and he stopped being a cop or he stopped wanting to be out in the field because he shot a kid. And I'm like, ah, this movie came out before this was like the big commentary in the country of like cops shooting people and like, oh, do I go back to work or no? Um, So it was definitely, it was like, I don't, I don't know how, whoever wrote this put this together in terms of the different uh, makeup of having the diversity of having like, Oh yeah, we're going to have like, this is how this guy's going to talk. And this is how this guy's going to talk. And it's like, okay. Okay. Sure. And then like any of the, anything that's like the comment about like, Oh, I don't know. You had Christmas in Japan, things like that. Really. I'm like, wow, that is the eighties where people are like, do I have to have a filter when I talk about other cultures? Like, yes, you should probably be respectful, but like that wasn't, that wasn't the thing back then, or even I'm sure now there are plenty of things that are said that are not like appropriate, but that was one I'm like, Oh, well, that's just weird. Okay. How have we... One of the things it? that's so... Um... No, go ahead, Ted. Go ahead. 
No, I, w- I was just going to say how we made it 30 minutes into a podcast with you two where you spent how many weeks talking about Harry Potter and you haven't even brought up Alan Rickman at all. Like, I feel like that would have been like early <laughs> on in the conversation. And I've only seen one Harry Potter movie, but uh, I feel like you guys know him as Snape and not as Hans Gruber, where I'm, I'm the opposite. So, like, so like, yeah, it's wild to see him young like this. Yeah. It's wild to see, yeah, like the young Snape. It's crazy. And I don't, I've, you know, I've seen Alan Rickman in a bunch of movies, but like definitely um, Snape is what I think of first. But yeah, that was cool to see him. And he's like, you know, you got the facial hair, the nice suits. 42. Yeah, he'd been doing, um, he'd been, he'd been in the theater, he'd been doing theater, I think, right? Before we did this. Man, he did look very young. Um, because he did this in Robin Hood, right? Those are like yes. the other movies where he that isn't Harry Potter. Those are the other movies that I think of. And he's like a very good bad guy. But he like seeing yeah. him in Die Hard, I'm like, wow. Like obviously he's not a young, young man, but I'm like, he just in Harry Potter looks so much older. And I would assume part of it is like the makeup, but even when like the last Harry Potter came out and they did like their press tour or whatever. And he just looked so old. I'm like, oh, it must be stressful living in England and getting not enough sunlight. <laughs> yes, because England never. I, never I want it. to. Um, I I want to talk about something really, really quick. That going back to what we were just saying about Powell. So like. McLean and Powell like developed this bond like instantly, right? Like they're and it's Powell is played by Reginald Vell Johnson, who played, you know, Carl Winslow on Family Matters, like iconic like character. And, you know, they're talking over the radio and they like there's this great moment at the end where they like finally like acknowledge each other, see each other in person, they like embrace and stuff. And, and like I think one of the things to to what Emily was saying earlier about you know, how the black characters are like written and stuff like that. Like, that's why the third one is so brilliant because I didn't know that I didn't have the context of seeing the first one, but like the third one, he tries to come at Zeus the same way. Sam Jackson's character is named Zeus and he comes, he comes to Zeus like when they meet and they're trying to like fight the bad guys together when they're first introduced to each other, he tries to like, he keeps calling Powell, Powell. He says, he calls him Powell and buddy and stuff like that. And all the radio and stuff. And he tries that with Zeus too. And Zeus is like, I don't know you. Like, you're not my pal. You're not my buddy. Like, you know, their their relationship is a lot rockier to start. And they, like, develop their bond as they, like, go throughout this crazy-ass day that they have to. But I, I thought that that was really interesting, like, seeing this now and thinking about Inventions, how he tries to, like, interact with Sam Jackson's character in the same way he does with Powell. But Sam Jackson is a different type of character than Powell is. Like, Sam Jackson isn't a cop. He's, like, a... a um a store owner in Harlem who is like really invested in the community and with the kids there. And there's that big scene that, uh, with him and the kids who come into a shop and he's introduced to McLean, like in a really crazy way in Harlem. So their relationship is different. And so I think that that was really well written in vengeance to kind of show the differences between Sam Jackson's character and, and Reginald Bell Johnson's character. Um, what did you all think about? So they're like these European people, like these European, like, quote-unquote terrorists, really thieves. That's kind of like, that doesn't really happen anymore in movies, does it? Like, where the the bad guys are, like, German. 
Is that like a kind of a post-Cold War thing? Or like, what is that about? It's definitely an 80s thing. That just doesn't theme. happen anymore, I feel like. Yeah, well, now everyone's, the bad guys are Middle Eastern, right? Like, that's like their go-to. Right. Or like, where they, North Korea. I watched the Red Dawn remake a couple nights ago and terrible movie. Don't watch it. But like, like now it's all, that's, the, that's where they're going. But yeah, like, I mean, 88 would have been what? A year after this? When did the Soviet Union go down? 90s, right? So like, still... Yeah, so still like Eastern European, like, and they never say they're German, right? Do they ever flat out say he's German? They yeah. say, do they? Yeah, so, they, they do. Talk like, about a German um, organization he's like a part of. Yeah, or so was like, a part of. So the piggyback off of what Arnold was talking so Arnold saw the third one first. The third one spoils the ending of the first one. So Arnold, the whole time you're yeah. watching this, I mean, I mean, you probably knew about it anyway, because like, you can't be on Twitter around Christmas about seeing Hans Gruber fall down off the building. I saw it five times today. Right. Like, so like, did you, Emily, did you also know how this movie ended going into it? Like, did you know, like at some point he's going to drop him off out the window and that's how he dies. Or was that like, did you have any idea how this movie was going to end? Like how they're going to be the ending of it? No, I never know how a movie's going to end. Even if I've seen it. Um, <laughs> this was no exception. That's why when people are like, "Oh, spoilers," I'm like, "Oh, I have the memory of a goldfish, so I don't care." Um, so I think I've seen those memes, and I just am like, I don't, I don't know what this is exactly, but sure, whatever. So yeah, watching that, I'm like, oh, I guess it makes it like I was like, oh, it would make sense that he would die, um, but not because of like anything I've seen. I'm just like, oh yeah, like he's probably. There has to be some conclusion like this. It's very big to go with how big everything else is in this movie. Oh, yeah. So, Arnold, you knew he got jumped out the window. So, how did you think that was going to happen? Because you knew he had got there with the gun, two bullets left. Like, did you have, like, were you, like, trying to, like, figure out, were you, like, doing, like, the mental gymnastics in your head? Like, does he bum rush him? Like, like how is he going to get to that scenario where they're outside the window? I didn't know at all. I show it in the third one. No, I know. I know that I knew that eventually he would like fall off of the building, but like I had no idea. Like for me, I'm like, okay, McLean has the gun, so he's just gonna shoot him like out the window, and like he like the the force is so strong that he like it's blasted out the window or what? Like so when he's hanging on to her watch, um, and like that part, like I had no idea. So I I went into it, I think consciously trying not to figure out how how it was gonna how that was gonna work so yeah like emily spoiler alert in the third the villain of the third movie is hans grouper's brother Makes sense. and he's and so he's like mad at mclean because of well he's not killing mad his brother or whatever like it's like he has a great line in that like he's like i didn't like my fucking brother but i don't like yeah. it when some flat-footed la Chicago, new york city cop drops my window either you know yeah. like like you know but uh yeah who do you think who do you think was better, Jeremy Irons or Alan Rickman? I mean Rick Jeremy Irons plays his brother in Vengeance. Well, I I'm, I mean Rickman's the I understand. The OG. I'm, I'm partial to Irons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've I have Irons in my head so much because I've seen Vengeance so much. And but I mean, Rickman is great too, obviously. And this, this I mean this movie made Rickman famous, so and like in the second one, the villain's the exact opposite of the the Gruber brothers. He's more like he's a physical villain, like he's a bigger, stronger like dude. But like 
don't know. Gruber Gruber is good, but like, I like how like built the uh, is his name Simon the third one. They ever say his damn name? Is that his actual name? I, I haven't seen the third one in forever. Like, do they say that's his name? I don't know. He. Like, I don't think. I think that's like a fake because you keep saying Simon says, which I I think was like the original title of that movie. Like yeah. it got shoehorned in. Like the movie was called Simon Says, and it was completely different. But they were like, well, let's just make this a diehard movie. I do like how, like, I think it's hilarious in the third one. He knows this guy already killed his brother, but yet he keeps underestimating him again. Because he just, he's just, they're like, they have a nice, they have a common uh, element of being siblings that they all over, they think they're the smartest person there. And McLean's just, he's stubborn. I like the diehard movies because the villain always thinks that they're smarter than him and he just, he figures stuff out, you know, like, like he figures out that they're going to, he's going to blow the roof, right? In this one. Cause he's like, he's like, why do you care about the detonators? I blew, I used all the C4. Why do you care? You know? And, and, uh, stuff like that. And like, I love that scene. Like, what'd you guys like? Or Emily brought up the explosions. And what was your favorite explosion in this movie? Cause there's like, there's two, right? Did, like, did you guys get the foreshadowing of the glass? Like, like, did you guys catch that at all? Like, when they're like, like the cops are all bitching about getting covered in glass, and McLean's like, "Glass? Who gives a shit about glass?" Like, like, I don't know. Did you guys catch that at all, or was that like when he says shoot the glass, where you're like, "Oh shit!" Like, can you imagine running across glass? How bad that would hurt. Like, just I couldn't well, do it. It's I, interesting that they set that up in the beginning, like in the very first scene where the guys like you know take off your shoes and your socks and hug the carpet with your feet, like that type of thing. And that foreshadowing like goes throughout the entire movie. And, you know, with him running up the, you know, running up the steps of, uh, at the first point, like running up out of the office, like in his bare feet and stuff. So, yeah, I thought, I thought that was really, um, well written the way that they set that up. Emily, what did you think? Um, I agree with that. And just like, I hadn't thought about the glass, like the fur, the foreshadowing of like the police complaining about the glass. Um, but it makes sense. And like, it speaks to how well they just kind of put everything together when writing the story for this. Like nothing was not accounted for. Even like the small things like the elevator being ding. Like, yeah. that, like, like when he first gets there, the elevator dings. And then like three or four times he hears that. Like he hears it when they're coming to get him after he's thrown the dude out the window. No, before he's on the guy out the window. He's trying to get the chair out the window. And then when the helicopter blows up on this, you know, and he knows it dive underneath the water because he hears the ding. Right. Like it's just small stuff like that. You know, like it's, they, 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 it's really tightly written for an action. Yes. Movie, right? Yeah. Like, And I want to say, I want to say the, I want to say the best explosion is when they blow the roof and like the helicopters get caught in it. I was just like, damn, that's really, that's a crazy explosion. And that part's great. That whole, that whole part, the roof part, like there's so many intense scenes, but like he gets up there, he asks where his wife's at. They're like, they, they tuck her. She's at the vault, you know, and then like they won't listen to him and he knows shit's going down. And you have the, the Johnson and Johnson, you know, the FBI guys 
which I love that scene. He's like, just like Saigon. And he's like, oh, I was in middle jackass or something, you know, like, and like the FBI is just like, they're content. Like all the, everyone, but McLean's a bad guy. Right. Like even like the FBI mm-hmm. guys are like, they're just content. They're like, what do you think the losses are going to be? 30%. Oh, we can live at 30%. You know, like they're going up there just to, sh- they're going to blow up, they're blow up the goddamn roof, you know? And, um, but, uh, yeah, like, that explode is so great like and it's just the way they time it so like he's running like hans like it's going to pull the trigger like the, i love that line when he has a the the fire hose around his stomach he's like i swear to god if i ever survive this i'm never going to a tall building again you know just yes. shit like, that. like just like like i would be but i would just be like i'm dead all right i'm not even like i'm done like there is no there is no future here he's like, very creative I, right and quick about it right yeah. like just like and then like, then not, then not, like, not even like just a fire hose in any movie would be enough. He would swing down and he would be fine. But then he gets down there and the damn thing falls off. Right. And then he has to untie himself because he's getting sucked out the window that he just came through. Right. And like, it's just that whole part, the whole part of roof is great. I love it. You know, I love the fight with Carl, like all the shit talk he does when he's fighting him before the roof, you know, but like, yeah, the whole roof with like the the helicopter, the like everything, everything's going to blow up. Though. Either either Bruce's going to blow up from the detonators, or the FBI guys are going to blow the goddamn roof up because they're okay with thirty percent people dying. And like, and they're shooting at him because they think he's a terrorist. You know, like it's just that part like is like almost the climax in a movie. And then like the Han stuff at the vault almost is like I don't say it's an afterthought, but like it's like it's an epilogue feeling almost. I guess at that point, so. And shout out to the guy that McLean knocks out and doesn't kill because he kills everybody else. <laughs> so. He's like a killing machine. I I am like, oh, I wonder if this happened in real life, would they be like, listen, bud, we got to arrest you. Don't care that they were terrorists. What you did was wrong. Well, that's, a, that's such a good point because like he kill, he just kills like a lot of people. Like I understand that he's in a crazy circumstance, but like his body count is pretty pretty wild in this movie yeah and are those bonds ruined like i don't know how that shit works i'm not a rich fucking person i feel like that shit can you can you just say we have them even though they got destroyed like like he definitely is you know he does all that prop he drops a goddamn computer down you know the elevator shaft and blows up an entire floor right you know and they actually did these explosions because that building was under construction when they filmed this movie so like they legit like blew up that fucking building every one of those explosions happened like, that's cool. Like, and that's like, you know, the eighties, like squibs and like, just like, we're going to blow up a fucking floor of this building and we're going to blow up the top of it too. Like you can, it's a Fox building. It's like Fox studios building. If I ever go to LA, I'm fucking finding that building. I'm tracking it down. So. What did yeah. you think? What did you, what did you both think? I want to, I want to hear both of your takes on dude from the breakfast club who plays the police chief deputy or whatever like that. Um, Wayne. Yeah. What do, I'm what the one your... who just got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, Dwayne, man. Like, what were you? Everything he says was just like he's the worst. He was. He's a horrible guy. Terrible guy. He's a terrible leader, and he just like grossly mismanaged the entire situation. <laughs> like, First of all, he, he's basically he's playing the same guy as the Breakfast Club. He's like if that principal became a, a police chief. Like he's he's the same like. He's the same like asshole in both movies. It's wild. Like definitely typecast back then. 
And like, he just, he doesn't ever listen. Like, but at the same time though, why would he listen to some guy that's in, in the building? Right. I get it. But like, he doesn't know who that guy is, but like, I just love like his deadpan delivery. He's like, well, I guess we're going to need some more FBI guys. <laughs> you know, that was good. That was a <laughs> funny know? line. You know, I hope that's not a hostage. You know, when Hans is dropping, you know, like. He has like these random one-liners. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy because I agree with you. Like he, his, from his perspective, he's like that guy. How do you know he's not one of the terrorists? How do you know that he's not in on everything? But then he says something like, so Powell's like, I saw the guy, you know, he got his fell out of the building. He's like, oh, he's probably a stockbroker. He's depressed. I'm like, okay, man, like, come on. Like what's how, going on? How we not discuss like go to eighties asshole William um, Atherton in this movie from like you know Ghostbusters and oh, what is the real geniuses of Val Kilmer like the guy that they're like oh we need a sleazy asshole dude we'll get fucking Will Atherton's number get him up here like you know he just did Ghostbusters was is it Ghostbusters eighty two or eighty I don't know like. And he's in the second one too. Like they shoehorn him in the second one, so it's ridiculous. But what is the <laughs> second? What is the second one about? Because I have literally, I've never even looked up what the plot is of that movie. It's, it so the second one, second airport, one is right? like the second one is like when they make jokes about how like a sequel is a remake of the first one. It's so there's this general getting uh, he got arrested in another country. And he's getting Esther, whatever the word is, I can't pronounce it. Uh, where they're bringing him to the U.S., you know to stand trial and then like some other generals from that country like shut down the airport so they can get this guy out they're gonna like we're gonna start we're gonna if you want your planes to land you're gonna let this plane land so we can get this guy and of course john's there to pick holly up and she's on the airplane one of the airplanes that's circling above the uh the airport so then you know any no and of course he's mclean so like he notices what's going down before it happens and no one listens to him so he's basically fighting these guys to get there because like they have like they hacked into the airport, so he's trying to like find where they're at, so like he can like get the lights back on, so the airplanes can land before they run out of gas because it's a winter storm, so they can't go anywhere else. And it's just literally the same thing. Like his wife's in danger, and he takes it upon himself to like get involved, basically. And but it's it's the, I don't want to spoil, but like it has a, has a has a higher civilian death count than any of the movies, and it, that part bothers me. Like a lot of people die in the second one that I don't think needed to, I guess. So it's a, it's a much violent remake of the first one. And then the third one, you know, he's divorced, which, and you know, she's not in the fourth one. So they must not have made up his daughter's in the fourth one. So it's, it's interesting when you, you talk about how in the beginning of the pod where you mentioned like how this like invented a genre of movies, basically where it's like the one guy against all odds, um, and, you know, he kind of has to, you know, he's an action star, but he's also like outthinking his enemies at the same time, too. Um, but yeah, in the third one, like they kind of it's him and Zeus. So like the third one is like, what if him and, and, and Powell were going through this together? Like and the fourth one, he also has a sidekick. It's, uh, it's Justin. Justin Long, right? Yeah. And he's really good. He's my favorite sidekick of all the movies. Like he has a real his, his arc in the fourth one is great. And Date his daughter. What? Is Justin Long dating his daughter in that movie? Well, by the end, but like she's great. She's a uh, was it Mary Weinstein? She's in Scott Pilgrim, and am I saying the right name? Last name right? Uh, Winstead. 
Maybe, with Steph, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's like a miniature McLean. Like she is just, she's a badass. And if they ever, they don't need to make it there diehard. They should just recast it as her, or not recast it, but just have her in a situation. Because like they in, like they're not dating at the end, you know. But like it's implied that there might be a relationship there. Like they don't know each other before the events happen. So and if you really like, I don't know if you really like the analog versus technical version of this movie. The fourth one is all about that. It's all about like hackers and shit and like McLean not being doesn't do any of that he doesn't have like his phone or doesn't like not internet works and like he's very they don't they don't they can't they can't uh, they can't appoint i don't know the word but like they're not they can't fight him because they're 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 they think they're smarter than him and they he doesn't use technology for them to track basically shit so i don't know but justin long's great he's a hacker in that movie that mclean saves and then helps him throughout the movie I vaguely remember when this movie came out, but I don't think I saw it. And there's a part in the fourth one that's really, really outrageous. And like people pin on that. And in fact, it was PG-13. So like a lot of like the diehard fans, like wouldn't even give it a chance. They're like, oh, it's PG-13. You can have a PG-13 diehard movie. And it's just, it just never had a chance. But it still made a shit ton of money. I like the fourth one. It's good. It's interesting because, like, this one isn't. I mean, obviously, it's an R-rated movie. There's a little bit of, you know, you, they keep showing the, um, when he's going through the hallway. There's like the new calendar or whatever, and then like there's the part in the beginning where he's gets out of the office. Yeah, gets out of those two people fucking in the office or whatever. But like, other than that, and that stuff is like really brief. But like, there's it's not like there's not a crazy amount of like nudity or like sex. You never see any like sex or anything like that. There's a lot of cussing, but it's not like it's yeah. not like casino or anything like that. Yeah, it's cussing though, and like the blood. Like I, I blood, yeah, a lot of blood. Watch like he watched all the Dark Knight movies, and those are pretty. You know, like, it'll be a while for them to watch Die Hard, I don't, like, and you can't you can't even watch it on TV now because like they, they would just show the blood on TV now. Like it wouldn't even be, you know. And then you, you bring up the uh, the poster, and that's another thing that they purposely did. They did that so you would have like a you would know where he was at in the building. And that way, like, when every time we went by that poster, you're like, oh, he's up on the higher floors. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just like, you know, and then the ventilator chef stuff, which has been in every movie now. Like, you know, that part's great, you know. Mother to Coast, have a few laughs, you know. Yeah. Good time, yeah, good. you know. But, yeah, it's just, it, it's like when you, like, you, like, you watched The Godfather recently. I watched Casablanca mm-hmm. a few years ago. Like, you, like, watch these movies now, and then you realize, like, how many, like, pop culture references are from this movie. And like it's shocking almost somewhat to me anyways. But there was the part at the very end, speaking of like this was I felt like this was a little bit gratuitous. And she's not like nude or anything, but like his wife, like as at the last scene with him and Hans and stuff, and like her her blouse is kind of open a little bit. Yeah. And I'm just like, what well, I'm like, was that really necessary? I don't know what that's about. But yeah, yes, yeah. it's not like crazy over the top and a lot of i think in a lot of ways action movies i mean movies in general but especially like action movies have become a lot more um conservative in that way there's not a lot of like um well they're trying to make money right yeah exactly yeah that's where like when john wick came out oh boy five years ago now Mm -hmm. it was such like a breath of fresh air because like it was violent and they cussed and you you know and then like but, but before that you would have action movies where they'd be PG-13. And they're still really good movies. But, like, it just... I, I think I hate, after watching movies in the 80s, is... Does it bother you when you watch movies now? Like, like the, the CGI blood squids? I, I cannot stand that. Like, it just... It's terrible. 
Like, am I the only one that notices that shit? Like, I don't want to like, see, like, I don't need like a saw movie, but like when it's like, don't even show the bullet hole. If you're going to do that shit, I don't need a cartoon splatter. So sorry. That's my mini, mini rant. But yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned, um, like the dark Knight and like Christopher Nolan's movies have like zero blood. Like Dark Knight, you like you'll see a guy like shoot a guy, and there's just like nothing. Like there's no holes, there's no blood. The guy just like falls back, and there's just like he's I don't know. Like Nolan's like anti blood or something. I don't know. Like even when Joker like slams the guy's head down in the pencil, like you don't you never see like any type of like even in blood Dunkirk. Or I'm yeah, trying to think of like in Dunkirk if they show. I'm not sure where that movie's rated. I only saw it once in theater. I really liked Great it. Movie. Great movie. Yeah, but Inception's the same way, right? I mean, I guess that's all in brains, I guess. But we we'll be interested when we actually get to see Tenant. I mean, I'm assuming none of us have been to a theater to see Tenant. Like, if it's some first shot's radar, I guess I don't even know what it's rated because I didn't bother to go see it. But uh, yeah, like it's just, but you don't you don't need blood. But like it's just if if you're not going to show blood, then don't even try doing it half ass. Like he's like Arnold said, just like do like like Dark Knight where people get shot and then they just, they just fall down, right? Or they have puffs of smoke or some shit. Like like you like see like the impact, but like it's. It's nothing, I guess. What did you guys think? I was going to pull up your outline, see if we missed anything. Because you gave me an outline. Um, I guess I don't see anything we haven't touched on yet, I guess. Um, I think, yeah, I think we've gotten through most of it. I did want to ask, because I know, like, at the top, I feel like Emily had, like, some hot takes. So I was just going to give you the floor and kind of let you cook and maybe just see what you're because i know that you had some takes on here so i don't want to i don't want to step on your takes i just want to get your thoughts on 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 a hot take that you might have so going into this i mean i started at the beginning of this podcast saying that like it's not a christmas movie and before even seeing it i was like i'm not sold that it's a christmas movie but I was willing to be like, if Die Hard's a Christmas movie, Mean Girls is a Christmas movie. Not, I'm not even there yet. Um, as I've not seen any of the other Die Hards, are any of those movies also set at Christmas time? So what I mean, the second one is literally a remake of the first one. It is set on Christmas Eve at an airport. Like, it, I get, the second one is literally a beat-by-beat beat remake, except like the villains are a little different. And it's in D.C. It's not in L.A. Okay. Like, they even like have him call Powell to get some fingerprints ran because he's an LA cop in the second one. Cause he, he moved to LA to be with his wife. Yeah. So, and so yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like the second one's, like I said, it's good, but it's not great. And it's, it's, it's the same thing. Like it's, he's in like, he even makes a comment. Like in the second one, he says some shit, like how can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Or like another, another Christmas, another ventilation shaft. Like, like he says shit like that. Like, so maybe that's why the third one takes such a zag. Yeah. Because the second one is like um, a summer movie. And there's a, there's a podcast I listen to called The Big Picture uh, Movie Podcast, uh, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I love it. And um, they did an episode this summer about like top summer movies. Um, and one of them picked Die Hard with a Vengeance. Cause it's definitely like, it's just, it's like a hot New York day and they're like super sweaty and they're just like trudging through the city. They have to go through the subways. I've actually, I've been to New York in the, in the summer before and it gets like very hot there and you know, it's the pavement and the concrete and I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it just gets like super hot there. And it's, it's, that's 
definitely a part of the movie. It, it's very much like yeah. you you understand that it's like a really hot ass summer day, and they're happy. And, like, and it takes place in one day. What, yeah, and like the fourth one, it takes place from July second to July fourth. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the fifth one. I saw one. Actually, I think that's what it was. I think that's the the episode was actually like their best all in one day movies. I think, I, think I listened to that one. That's You're what right. it was. It was their yeah. best all in one day movies. Yeah, because we because you and me and discussed how it could be a summer movie because the kids are in school. Yeah, like, yeah, that's true. But like, so one of them, I think it was Chris Ryan. He picked Die Hard with a Vengeance because it was like, and he mentions like how hot it is and how, um, how it's in the like, I don't know, maybe it's like May or something, but it's definitely like a hot summer day. Yeah, or Indian summer. Well, it has because well, that's the thing. It could because I mean, I guess the Yankees could be on a road trip, right? Because they go, they go to yeah. Yankee Stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I need to watch the movie again. It's been a long time since I I've watched that movie. Emily highly recommend Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'll probably watch it um, because I did really enjoy this movie. Yeah, I did yeah. not think I'd be like, wow, I'd watch this again. I probably will. My roommate was like, "Are you watching Die Hard right now?" Um, I was very surprised. Um, I was like, I am. And he's like, man, that's such a kick-ass movie. <laughs> um, so I will probably watch the other ones. Because the second, one, second one, like I said, is like the most, like, I enjoy it, but it's like the most grotesque. Like, it leans more into like, mm. it ramps everything up to 11. Like, like, it's more violent. Like, you know, like it's, like the third one is more of a sidekick movie. The fourth one, like, people didn't like but like i said it's just because i think if it had been if it wasn't called die hard they've been happy with it you know right. but, but he also becomes like more invincible in the fourth one he takes some hits that you're like he should not be walking away from that about blood like at one point in the fourth one he slides down like 200 feet of concrete and like isn't bloody like he's beat up but like he's not like you would you would lose skin right like <laughs> you would at least like come up with like some kind of scratch from that you know yeah but that uh, they're all good just don't watch the fifth one i feel like i feel like you would love the third one emily because like the third one just had like it zags but it also echoes the first one yeah <clears throat> excuse me because he has to do like a lot of thinking in the third one and like there's a lot of like like this the die hard this first movie like there's just a lot of problem solving that he has to do and he has to do a lot of problem solving in the third one too except like he has a he has a sidekick like ted said like he has sam jackson and they're like instead of him figuring out himself like the both of them have to like figure it out and it's literally like there's like riddles and shit that they have to figure out so it's it's really good fun fact about the third one arnold is the 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 guy that plays a cop in the first one that's in the third one like he's in the background by a lot of the powell and uh duane scenes and he's the the cop in the third one that like has like a, the lotto ticket numbers on his back. Oh, interesting. Like he's okay. the, he's the, the same actor. He doesn't have any lines in this. He might have one line in the first one, hmm. but it's the same actor. So like you could like be like, you want to do like MCU? Be like, oh, he he moved in, he moved back to New York, and I gotta yeah. I gotta rewatch the third one for sure. I so do I, man. Gotta, it's been a yeah. while. Like, and I sent you the the alternate ending to the third one, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I think yeah. I've seen it. Wish they hadn't. But anyway, that's, we don't want to spoil that. But like, Emily, what were you going to say though? Um, yeah. So, uh, it, it, my expectations for Die Hard were like, I don't even know what they were, but it was, it was really good, good movie. Um, and like you and Ted both have said, like, just very well written. Um, and, and it is like peak 80s. Like, watching it is like a peak 80s movie. And, 
I appreciate that. I like a good number of movies from the 80s where I'm like, oh, yeah, like, why is this not a thing anymore? Um, I shouldn't ask that because then they do remakes of Top Gun that none of us ask for. So just the 80s can stay in the 80s and we'll be good with that and appreciate, like, kind of how Die Hard set the tone because, like, there are all of those, like, one-liners. And the only one that I had, like, been super familiar with is when he's just, like, yippee Kaye, And I'm, like, okay. And that's, like, that's all throughout pop culture now. But there, it's a heavy, like, of course people are dying. People are being held hostage. So it's a heavy movie. But, like, it, it's broken up with, like, those one-liners that I'm, like, oh, yeah. Like, action movies kind of take that and, like, have run with it. And it helps a lot of them. But I think they either get lost in those types of like witty one-liners because they're just like, Oh yeah, we just want people, we just want it to be like quotable or it becomes a Michael Bay film and it's all explosions and too much. Like there's not enough story. And so it's like, well, okay. So you, you were given kind of this building block of like what a good action movie could be and lots of movies built on it after Die Hard came out like where what happened why are we no longer doing this and saying and like Die Hard is like one of the most talked about movies around this time of the year but like it's a movie that you can talk about year round like there I don't I don't know it came out in July it wasn't even released at Christmas because it's not a Christmas movie That might be that might be its strongest strike against it being a Christmas movie is the fact that it was released. Wonderful July. Life came out in May. I guess even America on Thirty First Street came out in July. Also, Iron Man Three too. Iron Man Three came out in like May, I think, and that's definitely Iron Man Three is definitely a Christmas movie. I've never seen Gremlins. That takes place at Christmas. Christmas. Should watch that sometimes. Um, Harry Potter takes place at Christmas, but it's not a Christmas movie. It's true. There's always a big like Christmas. I mean, in the books, it's just like there's always like so big two or three chapters that happen like just around Christmas. So Christmas like, and but, summer. But, yeah. Like, speaking of like you mentioned, like how like they have like lighthearted moments. Did you guys catch the uh, uh, Leo and uh, Carl? I think his name's Leo. Like they made a bet on if Tanagi was going to give him the code. Like like they're sitting there and he's like. I told you. And like, I love that part. And he's like, so they- I, I forgot. I wanted to talk about this. Cause like that's, so they had like two plans at once. The first plan is dude, buddy from who was on after this. I know him from Walker, Texas Ranger. Cause I used yeah. to watch that. Um, so he was like the hacker dude. So he's like working on opening the vault. Yes. At, but their, their, their plan a is to get um, the president, to just like give them give them the code and if he gives them the code then they don't have to like break into the vault right no he's just there's a password that they need and then it then it locks down so there's six locks or seven but the they can get the password but then the other stuff's gonna still gonna like lock okay lock okay but but that gives them it gives them a step closer and since he doesn't give it up then they just have to they like they have to hack the, the password and then they can go on their next level and then well, they need to get the power to get shut down, and they, and they can't do that. It had to be like... That's why he's like, we're waiting for the FBI to come, because yeah, they yeah. know that they're going to cut the power. Yeah, do whatever we want, just don't fuck around, we got to get the FBI here. Yeah. And, they, and then he's like, because he knows that they're going to cut the power, and then get in that way. So, but that's why Tanagi should just give them the goddamn code. Yeah, you got it. That's tough. I mean, he has a little bit of Ellis in him, like, just 
too prideful. Just give it up. Because he even says they'll change it in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I give you this code, it doesn't matter. You know, like. They would have killed him either way, though. Even if he had given them the code, they still would have killed him. So. Probably. And then he had a very, very 80s gunshot blast to the back of the window that McLean's at. So. So, like, you, you just, you and Emily both now just making the point, like, how 80s this is. Die Hard with the Vengeance is very 90s. It's incredible. It's like. It's like a long episode of a 90s Law and, Order, Law and Order episode. Like they're driving through Central Park. They're just like walking around the streets of New York. Like um, pay phones, pay, pay, fo- pay phones, the cabs, the yellow cabs that are like the, you know, the mid 90s crown fix. Like yeah. it's extremely, an extremely 90s movie. It's a peak 90s movie. I this love is it. definitely a movie that you couldn't make now because cell phones would, exactly. make, it, would make it be done. Exactly. Right. You would yeah. have to like make it a period piece. Yeah. Like, you couldn't make this movie now. Like it just couldn't be made. So I feel like there's a lot of movies like that. Oh yeah. Cell phones are cut off on any of these, any of these person in a situation. Cause they can just send a photo, right? This is what's going on. Like this happening. So. Well, but. they could account for that. There could be like issues, like everyone's phone dies at some point or like the, the building they're in, like they can't, text or like send anything because i don't know some like the office i work in when i used to go to work um it wouldn't like i couldn't send things in some areas of the building like it so they probably could have like done that especially if they're like in the basement or something like Mm -hmm. that i could definitely see that and to a big part a big plot point of this movie is like the the building isn't finished so yeah. maybe they don't, maybe they haven't installed the Wi-Fi yet. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's like the new version of it. They, they haven't installed the. Or they, or they just have like some MacGuffin. This box over here is shutting everyone's electronics down. Right. Yeah. Like, so let, let's, I want to, let's end with this. Let's end with this. This is perfect. This is organic. This is what podcasting is. I love it. So tomorrow or Monday, Monday morning, you read a piece in Variety. They're going to reboot Die Hard. They're not going to extend the series with McLean. They're going to reboot the 1988 Die Hard movie. Put people, so someone's going to be, someone new is going to be John McClane. Blah, blah, blah. Who do you want to direct the movie? You're triggering me. And who do you, who do you want? This is, this, is, this, is, this is great content. This is great TGS content. Who do you want to direct the movie? And who do you want to star as McLean? And who do you want to star as Gruber? Ooh. Um. Adam Driver as Gruber. That's that's great. That's good. I like it. He plays the let's, villain well. Let's do. I'm gonna say for the director off the top. I'm gonna go with. I gotta go with my stand. I'm gonna go with Ryan Coogler. What a surprise! You know, Emily knows me. This is where like you don't reboot the movie. You you do what they did of Creed, and you have it be. Molly, uh, whatever the daughter is, who's already in the fourth one, and have McLean be Rocky and have her be the, the character, and have and it's <laughs> Gruber's nephew. No, it could be, yeah, it could, be, it could easily be like his son or anyone. And the villain is obviously Daniel Radcliffe from fucking Harry Potter. What? <laughs> Find like the most unassuming. He never like, plays British a dude. villain. That's why it'd be perfect. He always plays in weird indie films now. Now that he has his fortune from Harry Potter, he's just in like super weird movies. I do like though. I do like having someone who's like more slick and laid back 
as the villain, not necessarily Radcliffe, but someone because like I and again, I haven't seen the second one. But like you said, Ted, like apparently like the guy is like more of a like a bigger guy. Like I, I think it's better to be like the first one and the third one where it's like the the more like relaxed, laid back dude who's like kind of like the thinking man's villain kind of thing. I think which, that, which yeah. is what they did in the fourth one. The guy's like a computer hacker. Mm-hmm. It's Timothy Oliphant. And he, he basically cool, said he yeah. did it for he did say he did it for a paycheck. It's like he's like he hired an article of him like a, last year's like I want a new house. Like he literally said that I just want a new house. So I did die hard for. Like, you know, which is I love when I hear actors say that shit, right? Like just like but uh yeah and give me give me give me Daniel Brule. I don't know if I'm yeah, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but the dude who, who, dude ahead, who played no. Z, the dude who played Zemo in um Civil War, and he was in Inglorious Bastards as the German oh, like, guy. Oh, yeah, he'd and be good. Or, give me him. or the dude that's the redhead guy from the, the new Star Wars trilogy. The oh, he's in guy. Harry Potter, also. Yeah, as a uh, Bill <laughs> um, Weasley. What about um, Henry Cavill? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, he's really good. He's really good in the sixth. Yeah. And Fallout, yeah, he's really good. Which is basically like a diehard movie. Oh, but, but give me, uh, <laughs> give me, give me Garth Edwards for the director. If I'm saying his name right. The guy did Rogue One. Oh, Gareth, yeah, Gareth yeah. Edwards, yeah. You he's know, good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, everyone's pick is Nolan, right? Or the guy who did uh, Casino, Casino Royale. You know what? I don't want a male villain. I want a, I want a female villain. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and the fourth one, the second in command, is a one of them is a female. It's a Oh, what's her name? I'm gonna look it up. It's uh, she was in that. Oh, who do, who do we want to be McLean? How old was Willis? In this? Willis is like what 35 in this movie. He has so much hair. Yeah, what they they shaved his head in the fourth one. It pisses me off. They should never. He sh- I don't give a shit if you do like a fake fake hair piece. Like McLean should always have a receding hairline. Like he's bald in the fourth and fifth one. You can't like McLean does not shave his head. He's he's gonna keep on the whatever little hair he has. Like even if it's nothing. So thinking, thinking of like body type similar to him, I'm being reductive right now. <laughs> but I'm gonna because I already went with Kugler, but I'm gonna go with maybe I feel like maybe John David Washington. I know we just mentioned Tennant. I feel like maybe he could I I feel like he kind of gives that energy off a little bit. And I haven't seen Tennant yet, but I feel like he could maybe do it. I'm thinking a guy who's like not too tall, but it's kind of like stocky at the same time. I don't know. I'm workshopping it though. I mean, yeah. Or I mean, if you want to go that route, I would go with. Uh, oh, I'm gonna. Uh, I can't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna find his name first. I'm not gonna let Arnold steal his name from me. <laughs> Give me well, his name. Mm. No, you don't get to steal. I'm, this is good podcasting. Ted over here typing shit. Um, John Boyega. Give me John Boyega. As a, I, would do, as a, I would do that. I would do. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Someone that's like stockier, but not like muscular, right? Like I can give me John Boy. I can see Boyega doing it, and he did. He uh, in Attack the Block is kind of a version of. It's like Die Hard with aliens, kind yeah. of. I almost saw that movie once. He was really it. young when he did that one. Yeah, but uh, I like him. He needs Emily's thinking. Stuff. I see. I see the wheels turning. I'm trying what to think, think of like who who I would cast because I can't think of like young up-and-coming actors or not young but like I think he was like closer to 40 yeah like, so like young so I'm, I'm thinking someone between like 25 and like 45 
because these days everyone looks very young in their 40s. So, oh, I guess he was 33. I'm a liar. Oh, are you thinking for so you're Emily, you're thinking of who you want to do, McLean? Yeah, okay, like who would be who'd be good for that? But I also, um, the pool of things that I've watched is um, Schitt's Creek, so obviously not Dan Levy. It just wouldn't, can you imagine? <laughs> That's not working out well. That would be great, honestly. Would it would be highly entertaining because the gun would be held like this. <laughs> um, and he'd be like, what is this? Um, he couldn't play a cop. I'm Actually, I think he could, but like it would be so wrong. Mm. Um, ugh. I'm looking up actors underneath age of 30 and... Because you can't just put under 40 because you'll get too close to it. Maybe sure. one of the, you guys want, you want Josh Hutchinson from Hunger Games? No. No, no way. Yeah, too short, too young. I want he, someone, I want someone, I want someone like 35. 30, you, you, know, be, you know who would be perfect, but he's too old now? It would be, uh, would be Chris Penn from uh, the new Wonder Woman movie. and Chris, oh, Pine. Chris Pine. Pine, yeah. yeah. He would be good. That's a good, good. That that'd be a good one. He's in his forties now, right? Like he's I, he's my favorite Chris. When they do the Chris argument, like I, I, he's my favorite. He'd be he a good went, McLean. Like seven years ago, he'd be a good McLean. Yeah, like he's because he's cocky, but like he's yeah. unsure of himself, and like he he would he'd be good. I like him. He needs to do more stuff. I'm excited for Wonder Woman coming out. Are you guys gonna watch that? You guys? Yeah, like, it doesn't come out on Christmas Day. Yeah, I wish it was Christmas Eve because I would watch it on Christmas Eve. But we always watch uh, the Polar Express on Christmas Eve. Um, be, I stand for the Polar Express. I will not. I will not handle any Polar Express hate in this in this podcast. I'm not going to be able to watch it on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve just because I like be with the family both days. I'll be with um, Elise's parents and then our parents uh, or my parents the the next day. Um, can't be with the big family anymore, yeah. but I'll be with those two and then. I'm going to have to watch it like during the week. I'm taking a yeah. bunch of time off of work. So I'll just like watch it during the day. Well, my eight-year-old days. is all about comic book movies and he, he'll sit down and watch them. My, mm-hmm. my six-year-old is just, once the popcorn is gone, he's just everywhere. Like he will not, like my eight-year-old, we've been watching The Mandalorian and he'll like sit beside me and notice like he'll take it all in. Like, I mean, I don't know if you guys have watched like the, the newest episode. There's a line from the episode that's from the first episode. We're on the first season. And I'm like, and he's like, and he's like, did you, did you catch that? And I'm like, we need not catch what? Like my eight-year-old like, oh, yeah, he says that at the end of the first season. I'm like, what, what, how? Like, how did you, like, he's like, and I understand, like, he just rewatched first season when he was homesick last week. But it's like, how are you catching this stuff? Right? And, like, he's, like, he's, like, he's already, like, ingrained in his head. Like, he's, like, he, like, asks questions about, like, the MCU, about how, like, certain stuff doesn't fit and it bothers him. So, like, I'm, like, building, like, a little, like, mini nerd. It's the worst, worst thing ever. He also... Big fan of the new Star Wars movies, unfortunately. I got two. I got two picks. Okay. For oh, this next Google? one, no, I haven't. I just thought of this. I got two great, handsome white guy picks. Ah. For this. For McLean, Sebastian Stan. Yes. For Hans, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, that would work. Because he's German too. He's low key German. I mean, not low-key. He is German. He's German and he's Irish, but... He would be also, shares, shares my birthday. Fast spinner. Great guy. <laughs> he needs to do more stuff. I, I agree. I agree. Did, is he doing a break? 
did he take a break, Mackie? I'm the wrong right person. Um, Go ahead, Emily. What were you going to say? I was, I was thinking Alexander Skarsgård would also okay. be a good... Um, he plays a very good villain. Yeah, that'd be good. So he could definitely be part of the, the squad. Yeah. yeah. You need, like, yeah, the, the, the psych... Like, you need, like... That's what, like, the second one doesn't have, like... I guess it does, but, like, thing of the Die Hard movies is always, like, a secondary villain that McLean has to go through to get to the main villain. So he would definitely do that, and then, like, Powell would be, like, Anthony Anderson. That'd be good. That'd be solid. Hilarious that that Carl, uh, the guy that Powell, did this before Family Matters. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And he was, and he plays a cop in Family Matters, too. I, I got to think, like, that got him a job, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And you said he's in the second one too. Small, like he calls Small. him. He calls him on yeah. the phone. Like he's like, "I need these fingerprints." And he's like, "Who, who, who's, who's fishbowl are you pissing over there or something or something?" Like, no, like the the rumored sixth one that's been around for like twenty years now. They should have made instead of the fifth one. It's like basically like he gets McLean gets like called to Tokyo for like a new Nakatomi Tower like presentation or some shit. And like yeah. so, Powell is there and like. You know, or something, and then like Han's son or some relative comes and fucks shit up, which is much better than what, what they did that fifth one. They need they need a Rocky Balboa diehard. And if you have not seen all the Rockies, you understand that the fifth Rocky's bad, and then the sixth one ties it up. And there would be no Creed films about the sixth Rocky. So Rocky Balboa is good. That came out when I was in high school. I went with my friends to see it. Antonio Tarver in that movie. I was a big fan of Antonio Tarver. Um, Antonio Tarver at the time playing Mason the Line Dixon. Yeah, I like I like that movie. That's weird though, because you can tell like Stallone is like fifty four in that movie, and he's just like super roided out. It's just really weird to see him like oh, he's, he's like sixty five. He's like sixty five in that movie. It's crazy because he's he's really in his seventies now. Like he's definitely in his sixties in Rocky. Well, Tarver. that was I mean he that was a while ago because that was like oh six, so that was like fourteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, 14, yeah, everything's, uh, he's 59, we'll cut the middle. He's like, yeah, he, super, he was like, you can tell he's like really old, but also like, it's just like taking a lot of steroids. It was really Lions, uh, Stallone eats uh, his Cheerios at HGH in the morning. Yeah. Like, like that's what he, like, he has a subscription frame on Amazon for that shit, <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, I mean, it'd be really hard to remake this movie. You'd almost have to like, just do the premise. Like if you put John McClane on any new character, like the pressure would be too tough. Like I don't maybe even know. We'll, like, maybe we'll do a poll when yeah. we have to release this episode. Yeah. We'll do a Twitter poll and I see think, have um, people. I don't, cast there. I don't think he'll win, but he's my pick. I mean, you could even do like a. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of ways you take it. They haven't been a good like guy in a whatever movie in a while. Yeah, I think of the last one. Everything's like a. Now we're all like new. John Wick movies like Atomic Blonde and things like that. Atomic so. Blonde is great. I love that movie. I love Star Wars. Why, 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 so. why, why not make her Hans? Boom. That'd there be you. good. She's too busy getting those Fast and Furious paychecks. Have you seen Atomic Blonde, Emily? I haven't. I, I typically don't watch a lot of um, action films. Like I watch superhero movies because, you know, that's there's so many to choose from. But when I'm just like sitting at home and I'm like, oh, what am I going to watch? I watch romantic comedies. I'm very sorry to say this. And so I'm like, did you watch oh. that new Hulu one? The 
holiday date i want oh i did watch the one on netflix holiday i did watch that um it made me laugh and i want to watch the one on hulu that has um Kristen Stewart in it. That's what I'm and talking Dan about. Lee. That that one. That's what I'm talking about. I watched oh, happy happy season. Yeah, happy season. Sorry, I haven't seen that one yet. It looks very funny. So, I like. It's not because I'm like, oh, like action films aren't great. Because like I enjoy this, and I like like I enjoy like Top Gun, but I just like don't know what to watch because I've been burned. I watched Transformers and was like, what did I just watch? So, that you no. Know, speaking of that. That's who the villain should be. Is uh, what's Shia her LaBeouf. name from? Oh no! Oh, Megan Fox. No, <laughs> sorry. From the from the holiday movie, the what's it, McKenzie or whatever from uh, Halt and Catch Fire or whatever it is. The uh, McKenzie Davis. A, yeah, she's in the Terminator movie. She's super tall and intimidating. Like that. Be she's she's younger. Cause I don't think I think Charlie Steering's too old, and she's cashing those Fast and Furious paychecks. I'd watch Charlie's in anything, but that's a podcast for a different time. <laughs> Um, uh, our next series is going to be on Charlie's Theron movies. Play, starting hey. with, I need to watch Fury Road again. I always don't say it if you don't mean it because we'll do it. Uh, <laughs> Fury Road is amazing. Love I'm that still, movie. I'm still in Arnold for the uh, Rocky Matinee Baseball. Whenever we do that here, next yeah, we're in there, man. Yeah, I'm in there for sure. So this is fun, guys. I had a lot of fun doing this. I I, I can't wait to we watch Die Hard. In, what? How many days till Christmas? Twelve days because I was watching on Christmas Eve because it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's it's coming up quick. Thank you, Ted. Thank you for being yeah, with us. Thank you. It was so much yeah. fun. We yeah. appreciate this. I will thank come you back for listening. I love pop culture podcasts. So anytime you're like, you want a drunk idiot, just just give me a call. We'll do another one of these. We'll do another one of these for sure. Maybe we'll do a diehard series. Who knows? Ooh. You could don't. We're not watching the fifth one though. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen yet. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So well, no, thank we you, everyone. Are cast. Yes, 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 yes. No, Die Hard. That's that's good. I want to do a series where we just like recast movies. We'll talk about that. Off, we have that. We have that problem at baseball because we have that question, (laughs) and we realize that we don't know any young actors, so we can never pick. Like we don't know any act. Every we we literally put Zac Efron in every role because he's the only actor we know under thirty. It's like I'm not even joking. You go and like listen to those. It's like oh, Zac Efron could be the pitcher, or Zac Efron could be that guy. I don't watch MTV shows or WCW shows. I don't know any young people. There's nothing on it. Uh, MTV is just ridiculous, uh, ridiculousness 24-7 now. So they don't even that's, show that's, that's, that's a podcast. Or we have two, we could spend two hours on what happened to MTV. So. That's very true. Thanks again, Ted. Right. Thank you to Emily. Thank you, everyone listening. We'll see you next time.